0: Thank you all for coming, so, you know, we need this, this is what, so, this is part of the way that God wired us for community and for uh, hearing, He's chosen the foolishness of preaching, and I I often feel that when I'm getting ready to preach, like, it just, it feels kind of foolish sometimes, but uh, it's one of the things that God has chosen, And uh, one of the ways he keeps us humble. And so, you're here, I hope, to hear from God today, not from me. And I hope that that is our expectation. We together, me included, need to hear from God. So uh, let's pray again, quickly, and let's ask him to do that. Father, we really do need to hear from you. I pray that your word uh, would go out with just a beautiful anointing today or that you would. um, Well, no, we're just going to thank you that it is going to because you've promised in your word that that the word that goes out from your mouth will accomplish the purpose for which it was sent forth. And so we're just going to worship you and thank you that you will do that today. In Jesus name. Amen. All right, Uh, today I feel like I have a lot of scripture to cover and I don't know how far we'll get with this, but uh, I want to just try to share with you from the overflow of my heart what God has been sharing with me and uh, trust that God's going to use it in your life the way he's using it in mine. So let's start out in uh, Isaiah 55, if you'll turn there. I want to read two invitations out of scripture today. One is from the Old Testament and one is from the New Testament. And then I want to talk about a response to that invitation. So God says to his people in Isaiah 55, Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters, and he who has no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen diligently to me and eat what is good and delight yourselves in rich food. Incline your ear and come to me, hear that your soul may live. And I will make with you an everlasting covenant, my steadfast, sure love for David. Behold, I made him a witness to the peoples, a leader and commander for the peoples. Behold, you shall call a nation that you do not know, because of the Lord your God, and of the Holy One of Israel, for he has glorified you. Seek the Lord while he may be found Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him, and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my way your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Maybe one of the most beautiful invitations in all of Scripture. In the first three verses, God says to us, to the children of Israel and also to us, this word is for us this morning, come, 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 come. And I know I've said this here before, but I don't think there is a more beautiful sound than the God of the universe inviting us to come. We were created for that. We royally butchered it. Mankind was sent out from the presence of God. And now, because of Jesus Christ, He's inviting us back in. And so today's invitation works for everyone. If you're a little child here, it works for you. If you're an older person here, it works for you. It doesn't matter where you are in life. If you're you're a believer, this invitation is for you. If you're an unbeliever refusing to bow to the authority of the word of God, this invitation is still for you. And so here's what God invites us to. He invites those who are thirsty to come to the source of the water. In verse 1, he invites those who are broke to come and buy sustenance, come buy wine and milk without money and without price. And then he asks a question to all of us, for why are you spending your money? And I I would like to say that in a spiritual sense, this is not just dollars. Yeah, I think it includes that. But why, God asks, are you spending your resources, your energy, the things that you have for the things that don't satisfy, the things that are not actually bread? And why are you giving your labor for the things that don't satisfy? And then God's invitation is, listen, incline your ear. Stop. Quiet. Listen. He says, listen diligently. That's not casual. Listen diligently to me and eat what is good. And delight yourselves in rich food. Incline your ear. Bend over if you have to be quiet, shut off the noise and incline your ear and listen to me. Incline your ear in verse 3 and come to me here that your soul may live. We are invited to come so that our soul may live. And so this morning God is extending this invitation to every one of us. I don't know where all of you are this morning. I've talked to a few people this morning and some are Some are joyful, some are wishing they had more joy, some are, I don't know, I don't know where you are this morning. Maybe some of you are struggling with wondering if God really cares or really loves you or if he really means what he says. Maybe some of you are longing for direction and feel like you're not getting it. But God's invitation to us, everyone, is come. Come. He says, seek the Lord while he may be found, signifying that there is a time when God won't be found. Call upon him While he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way. That's repentance. And the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion. I don't know of another invitation like that in the world. He is literally inviting... The wicked, the unrighteous, and inviting them to come and receive compassion. Think about that for a minute. God is inviting us to come and experience His compassion. Says, let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him and to our God. And the promise here is, for he will abundantly pardon. That's not a suggestion, that's not a maybe. When God says he will, that means he actually will. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. All right, let's meditate on that for a minute. And uh, and as we do that, let's turn over to John 6, 35 and 37. And I want to read those verses because this is another invitation This invitation was given by Jesus when he was here and uh, he was being hunted. He had just said some really tough things about people eating his flesh and drinking his blood. And a lot of people were offended by that. And I would like to suggest to you that eating the flesh, and drinking the blood of Jesus. When we do that by faith, we will find that it will be the milk and the honey that Isaiah talks about. So I want to read this invitation. Jesus was in the middle of of a feast and uh, says... I I told you the wrong verse. Jesus is describing himself as the bread in in John 6, 35, 37. Uh, Turn over to the next chapter, 7, verse 35. Sorry about that. On the last day of the feast, uh, Jesus was there. And and, uh, actually, we're going to start in 37. I was going to back up, but we're going to skip that. Verse 37 of John 7. On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart, the King James says, out of his belly, out of the inner being of that man who believes on Jesus Christ, as the scripture has said, will flow rivers of living water. And so here Jesus is again inviting everyone. That includes the sinner. Those who are not even seeking God. Those who are running away from God. Those who are pretending they're seeking God. But they're living a life of sin under the surface. Those who want to come to God but they don't know how. We find All of those scenarios in large crowds. And Jesus calls out to those, all of them, and says, if anyone, that means anyone, no matter where you are today, if anyone thirsts, even if you just had a drink at the fountain, if you're thirsty again, come again. If you've received the filling of the Holy Spirit, come again, if anyone is thirsty today. So just because you come to Jesus for a drink doesn't mean, you you know, that you're, you you don't have to find condemnation in that. Jesus' invitation is always open to us. And he said, he cried out, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me as the scripture has said, in other words, whoever believes the things that the scriptures say about me, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now this he said about the spirit, and I thought this was so interesting, I hadn't seen this before. This he said about the the spirit whom those who believed in him were to receive, because Uh, It says, "For, for as yet the Spirit had not been given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. And so there is a portion of this invitation that is specifically to believers who have believed, but have not yet been filled with the Holy Spirit. And so Jesus was inviting them too. And he was prophesying of a time when there would be rivers of living water flowing out from them because they will be filled and baptized and overwhelmed by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so today, maybe you're in a place where you've believed on Jesus, you have a measure of the Holy Spirit, but you need more. You're not living in the fullness of joy. There are some fruits of the Spirit that are missing. Jesus invites you to come. You see, you don't have to fit a certain category or a certain uh, kind of... List of haves and have-nots to come to Jesus. He will take you exactly as you are today. And and what I want to highlight today is uh, that you know every lack that you feel in your life today, every lack that we have here at Restoration Church, will be filled by the Lord Jesus Christ as we come to Him. Do you believe that? Do we believe that? all right we've we've read the invitations from God and so now uh, I'm going to shift gears just a little bit and as I uh, as I've been just uh, learning how to walk in the spirit this is one of the things that God spoke to me about uh, maybe maybe a month ago and uh And I want to talk about some responses to to these two invitations that I read. I'm going to bounce around here a little bit, a few different scriptures, so please bear with me. But my, my prayer to God was coming into today that we could feel his heart. That we could feel what God feels. Because I believe that one of, the, one of the biggest hindrances in the church of Jesus Christ. One of the biggest hindrances in my life has been the sin of unbelief. And I was praying to the Lord one day and just asking Him about some, some things that I was hearing. And, and, and just uh, weren't making sense to me. Um, several times I had heard the statement uh, something akin to it's just so hard to let go or it's so hard to believe and uh, the third time that I heard that it just was like recurring and I asked the Lord what is that? What is the hindrance? What causes us to not be able to just to let go and receive what you want to give us. And immediately God gave me a word. And he said to me. Unbelief. And as I have been praying about that. And uh, last night again. God gave me just a fresh. Uh, grief. Really. I felt like. Maybe a little portion of what God feels. When his people don't believe him. Because. The cure to every uh, disease and every need of man is in Jesus Christ. And the problem is not that God is standing there just, just, uh, you know, not really wanting to give it to us. Or trying to make us prove ourselves before He does. We just read a couple of very open and bold invitations with promises attached to them. And so... Uh, what hinders when we're not experiencing the fullness of the Spirit? What is that? Why is that? And so uh, it's helpful if we can identify that. So that we can repent and turn away from whatever it is that is, that is uh, hindering the work of the Holy Spirit. Whether it's in the church or in my life personal. And, and, and those things are very much connected. So uh, one of the verses that God reminded me of is in Hebrews 3 and I want I want to read a portion of Hebrews 3 and then uh, Hebrews 4 as well the writer of Hebrews, is recalling the journey of the children of Israel, which the Bible says they were given to us for an example. And so uh, as we look at the way that they fumbled around in the wilderness and you know ran in circles for 40 years, uh, that, that's a sobering example to us. For me it is. I'd like to start in verse 7 of, of uh, Hebrews 3. It says, therefore, as the Holy Spirit says today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. There are times when we hear God's voice. And, and for whatever reason, like Pharaoh, either, either we, we don't believe what God's saying, or we don't believe it worked for me, or we believe it will cost too much. Or for whatever reason, we harden our hearts. And the Holy Spirit today is saying, if you hear His voice, and anything that God speaks today, if you hear His voice, <clears throat> the invitation is, don't don't harden your hearts, but come. He says, it's, it's like the day of testing in the wilderness, where your fathers put me to the test and saw my works for 40 years. <clears throat> the writer of Psalms says that God made known his, 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 his ways to Moses and His acts to the children of Israel. So the children of Israel saw the acts of God. The Bible says here, for 40 years, as they tested Him, they saw the water come out of the rock, they saw the that the, the sea opened up to give them a way of escape. They saw uh, the quail and the manna. And they saw the presence of God on Mount Sinai. Again and again and again and again and again. They saw the works of God. Their shoes didn't wear out. Their clothes didn't get old. But they're in the wilderness. God sustained them and they saw his acts. But they didn't understand the heart of God. Moses did. So you can see the acts of God without understanding his ways or his purposes. But Moses, uh, the Bible says that the secret of the Lord is with those who fear him. And so Moses feared the Lord. And so God, God was able to make known his ways to Moses. But the children of Israel saw the works of God for 40 years. And God says, therefore, I was provoked with that generation... And said, they always go astray in their heart. They have not known my ways. As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. And then the writer of Hebrews brings it home to us today and says, Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart. And sometimes we are so tempted to treat unbelief as I don't know less than sin. Kind of a we take an nonchalant approach to the sin of unbelief and we feel like well there is a cause and we feel justified in uh, you know maybe it's a result of because God hasn't whatever etc cetera, etc cetera. He actually says to be careful lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. That's the end result of an unbelieving heart. It's a heart that is departing from God, departing from the faith in God and departing from the promises of God. And essentially, when we do that, we're calling God a liar. We're saying, God, what you, I know what you said, but I don't think it's true. You said you're this kind of a God, but I don't think so. And so he says that we should take care, lest there be in any of us an evil, unbelieving heart, leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today. In other words, there's that, that, that what we read in Isaiah, while you still have a chance, while the Lord is still near, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our our original confidence firm to the end. As it is said today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. For who were those who heard and yet rebelled? Was it not all those who left Egypt, led by Moses? And with whom was he provoked for 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the wilderness and to whom did he swear that they would not enter into his rest but to those who were disobedient so we see that they were unable to to enter because of unbelief and what the, the Hebrew writer is saying is that the ones who fell by the wayside who succumbed to the sin of unbelief and because of that did not enter into the rest that God had promised them They did leave Egypt. They were let out. They saw the miracles that God did for them. They were trapped between the two mountains with Pharaoh's army behind them and a sea in front of them. And they were delivered from that. They were the ones who who sang the song of deliverance when they got to the other side. They saw the water coming out of the rock. They experienced the manna and the quail and the patience that God had with them and on and on and on. They saw the works of God. They were the ones who had originally left Egypt led by Moses. Therefore, in chapter 4, while the promise of entering his rest stands still, let us fear, lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. For the good news came to us just as unto them. But the message they heard did not benefit them because they were not united by faith with those who listened. For we have believed for we who have believed enter that rest. As he said, as I swore in my rest, in my wrath they shall not enter my rest. Although his works were finished from the foundation of the world. In other words, from the foundation of the world, God has determined. Rest for His people. God had determined victory for His people coming out of Egypt. From the foundation of the world, God had ordained that. So the provision was there, but it was not appropriated because of their sin of unbelief. And God rested on the seventh day from all His works. And again, in this passage, He said they shall not enter my rest. Since therefore, verse 6, it remains for some to enter it. And those who formerly received the good news failed to enter because of disobedience. Again, He appoints a certain day today. I like that. Again, God appoints a certain day for you to respond to His call, for us to believe Him and say, Yes, Lord, I... I know that what you say is true. And that day is today. Saying through, saying through David so long afterward in words already quoted today. If you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. We have time. Yeah, I think we do. Okay. Um, in verse 8, For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on. So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. For the, word of the living, for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. to help in time of need. <clears throat> the writer of Hebrews closes out this this firm warning with a fresh invitation to come. Jesus said Matthew 11 I believe it is, when he invited those who were laboring and heavy laden, those who were tired and loaded down with whatever, care, sin, cares of this life, doubt, unbelief. He simply said, come to me, all you who, are, who, who labor and are loaded down heavily, and I will give you rest. The reason that we find rest when we come, even if our circumstances don't change, is because we enter the yoke and we let God pull. We just get alongside of Him, enter in His program, His purpose. And He invites us into that relationship, and He is that high priest who is able to sympathize with All of our weaknesses. Because in every respect, he has been tempted like we are, and yet without sin. And so because of that, because we know that that's true, his invitation is to us again. Let us with confidence... Did you know that there's a big difference between drawing near to God or whatever your situation is, if you're entering a meeting or walking into a church house full of people, whether you do it very timidly or with confidence, right? In in the one scenario, you feel at home, you feel, uh, you know, whatever it is that gives you confidence. He's saying we can actually enter the presence of, of Jesus Christ with confidence. Now, why would we be able to do that? Because you've been invited. Over and over again you've been invited. To come into the presence of Jesus. And I really want to invite us to do that today. I want to say this again. I don't care where you are in life. Maybe, maybe you're a man who is professing Christianity. But you have some dark secrets. Maybe you've been seeking God for a long time with an honest heart, and you've been struggling with feeling like, Does God hear me? And you're not hiding anything. Jesus is inviting you just to come again and believe Him, enter into rest. Maybe you've never been born again, and you want God to come and change you, give you a new start. Maybe you want to be a partaker of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ for the very first time in your life. Maybe you just need some encouragement. Maybe you need Jesus to wrap his arms around you and just tell you that he's got it. In Matthew 13, Jesus... Describes the kingdom of heaven. As a treasure that was buried in a field. And he said that. When the man who found the treasure. Realized what he had found. He was so captivated by it. That he went and sold everything that he had. Would that look dumb or what? He sold everything he had and went and bought that one field because he knew what was there. <clears throat> he said the kingdom of heaven was like a merchant who was after pearls and he found one pearl he said this is the one I've got to have this is the real deal this one is genuine it's big and he was willing to sell all that he had to buy that one pearl that's the invitation that Jesus gives when he calls us to enter into into his rest cease from our own striving And believe on him. And the one thing that. Hinders. God's people. From doing that. I'm pretty convinced about this. Is the sin of unbelief. It's easy to hide. But we do pay for it. And so today. Um. I want to read one more scripture. This one is uh, in Revelation 21. This is an astounding, astounding scripture. And... uh, I'm just going to start in the beginning. This was a vision that John had of John saw of the New Jerusalem, and this is this is reality. This wasn't just some uh, kind of, you know. Sometimes we we get this image, or I do in my head of, of John when he was getting all those visions, kind of like the little the little bubble thingy. You know, people were dreaming, and this just all these thoughts. This was not just thoughts. This was something God. God God gave him an insight into the reality of the spiritual realm. And what John saw was a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband." And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their, as their God. This is, this is what our future is going to be. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And death shall be no more. Neither shall, be, neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain any more. For the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. And to the thirsty I will give. From the spring of the water of life. Without payment. This is the invitation that we read in Isaiah 55. To the one who conquers. The one who conquers will have this heritage. And I will be his God and he will be my son. But as for the cowardly. The faithless. The detestable. As for murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. Do you notice he doesn't start out there? He doesn't start out there with the adulterers, the liars, the sorcerers, people practicing witchcraft. <laughs> I don't know, it seems to me you'd start out with that list when you speak about the ones who are not going to be a part of the new heaven and the new earth. <clears throat> the sexually immoral. The murderers, I'm reading backwards in this list now. The detestable, the King James Version says in verse 8, but the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable and goes on down the list. It, it was astounding to me that the unbelieving was the second one in that list. But if you look at the example of the children of Israel, you see why. And the Hebrew writer calls it an evil heart of unbelief causing you to depart from the living God. And so today, I don't know where you are. I don't know if God is using this to speak to your heart. I don't know. But I do know that the invitation is that today is the appropriate time. And today... If you hear his voice, if you heard with your ears the invitation and with your spirit today, if you're hearing the invitation of the Spirit of God to come, he is here. He is as here and as present as he has always been. And he is He is willing and able and has made every provision to heal everything in your life that is not right. And that's why I, I, I feel like, uh, in some ways, this, this message is not so specific. It's uh, somewhat broad. But it's because the same solution works no matter where you are today. And I want to beg you to believe God. And the promise is that if you do that, rivers of living water will begin to flow out from your inner being.